0: It's a trip because we, we share the same spirit <clears throat> in Christ and you know, I didn't know my wife was gonna pray right now and uh, I didn't know Michelle was gonna cry, you know. <laughs> but there's a heaviness, I sense a heaviness in this room right now. You know. I, I'm just gonna be frank with you. I'm a cut <laughs> I'm a cut to the chase. I just there's a heaviness in this room. As has been said, a lot of us are going through a lot of different things. The Lord knows, you know, Yahweh knows. And that, that's the most important thing, that, that Jesus knows exactly where you are. He knows exactly what you're going through. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I shared this with Maria earlier this morning. as She shared some, some heavy stuff that, that's been going on in her immediate family. And, uh, you know, the reality is people ask, well, why do I go through hard times? Why, why do I go through difficulties? Why, why, why is life so much a struggle sometimes? And, and, and sometimes it's not even things uh, that you've done. You, you've been living right. And you're, you're serving the Lord. You're honoring the Lord. But but you, you come across these seasons of life where difficulty comes in. It's kind of like those remembrance stones. Here's the thing. When you're a child of God... The Lord is going to pour out revelation to you. Right. Understanding uh, 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 of him and his promises. And so the thing is, we go through trials in this life because unless we go through trials, this revelation that God gives to you is only going to be up here. It's just going to be a bunch of head knowledge. It's going to be a bunch of bunch of scripture memorized. Which is not a bad thing at all. It's very good. It's very important to remember Scripture and to be able to apply it. But, but how do you apply Scripture if you don't go through difficulty? If, if, if everything is rosy all the time, what are you applying to Scripture? <laughs> You're not applying the word to your life because there's no reason to. Everything's all good. But it's through the difficulties of life. It's the seasons of testing. It's the seasons of trying. And it's not like God's sitting up in heaven waiting to see, oh, are you going to fail? Did you learn? Did you not learn? That's not it. Again, it's, it's, He wants us to get this revelation of understanding of Him and the promises that He has for us as children of God from our head to our heart. He wants to get it deep down to the innermost part of our being so that whenever you go through anything, I'm not saying it's not going to be hard, but this is the thing you're going to be able to fall back on the promises of God. And it's not going to just be this head knowledge. It's going to be, I know that I know that I know, no matter how many times I get knocked down, no matter what the circumstances, how how horrible the circumstances in my life look, I'm going to cling to God. He's going to be my strong tower. He's going to be my mighty fortress. It's going to mean so much more to you than just black ink on a white page. You know what I'm saying? It comes alive. It sustains you in the most difficult times of life. And then you're able to rejoice all the much more when things are better. But see, we we serve a God of... 365 days. <laughs> you know or uh, that's that's not even giving uh, giving him the the glory he deserves. He he's infinite, he's almighty, but for us as infinite uh, as finite beings here on earth, while we're here, we we need to worship him throughout each and every day, throughout the day. Uh, not just when things are going good, but when times are hard. I praise you, Lord. <laughs> Regardless of my circumstances, may you receive all the honor and glory for you are the only one worthy. Amen. Amen. And, uh, shoot, I just feel like praying right now, so I'ma pray. <laughs> Father God, Lord, I, I, I sense a heaviness, Lord, uh, with your people, that, that there's things that are going on that, that, you know, are difficult. And there's things that, you know, many times we can't can't even really say anything to that except come alongside someone and be there and embrace them and just be there as a presence to listen to them. Maybe maybe they got to cry. Maybe they got to get out some things. But I pray that a supernatural anointing of your Holy Spirit would fall upon your people now. Would you just fill us fresh with you, with your Holy Spirit? And would you uh, just you know, just rid out all the things that are, that are hurting us and are plaguing us. Lord, I pray against every single distraction that would try to come upon your people. Now I pray for your word to go forth and may it, uh, you know, cut dividing through, you know, bone and marrow cutting to the heart of every circumstance and situation. And may we leave here refreshed knowing that we've met with the true and living God. So again, I thank you. And I praise you. It's in Jesus Christ's name. I pray. Amen. Amen. We need a mediator, (laughs) amen. We need a mediator. Many people say, "Well, I I go to God on my own." No, you, no, you don't. (laughs) You have a skewed perspective, perception of Scripture, because we need a mediator between us and Father God. Us and Yahweh. I love. I love using the name Yahweh as, as I, I've learned that the the Hebrew name for God. This is His covenant name. It's His covenant personal name. It's His name that'll last forever. You know, um, all the other titles are great. Uh, you know, uh, Son of God. Uh, we just sang about it. Counselor, Prince, you know, Prince of Peace. But those are titles. You know, and that's not to take anything away from the titles. But it's like saying the President of the United States. But when you know, uh. uh Who is he right now? Why am I forgetting? Joe Biden. When you know Joe Biden, (laughs) my bad. No disrespect. No disrespect because we honor, we pray for the president. You know, we pray for you. We don't. This is not a political place. This is a pulpit of spiritual truth from the word of God. You you vote however you vote. Anyways, when you know Joe Biden personally, it holds more weight because you could call him Joe. Good old Joe. Good old Joe. Yahweh, that's his personal name. You see, many Jewish people deem that name so sacred, they won't even say it to this day. But that's not biblical. And, and at the right time, they'll come to know that and they will use the name uh, Yahweh. Because all throughout scripture, he he goes over and over. That, that word Yahweh is basically where you, when you get the English translation, Lord, that's it. <laughs> That's it. So you can whatever it doesn't matter. You can say Lord too. I just when I came across this understanding, I'm like, man, I'm about to use it because <laughs> I want to. I want to talk to God personally. I want. I want to know Him on a deeper level, and and that's why it's there. That's why he, he reveals Himself all throughout Scripture. He wants us to come to Him as as children of God to be cared for, to be covered by Him to to share our, our innermost secrets, the things that nobody else knows, our innermost pains, our 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 our, our aspirations in this life he wants us to share with him but we need a mediator between him and us you can't just go to him without the mediator you see before christ came to earth as our mediator there was the levitical system many of us are familiar with this you just have to go to the old testament israel would rely upon the high priest to be the mediator between God and the people, right? That's what the whole Day of Atonement was all about. Every year, there'd be a day where... Or be this time, this season of time where everyone would come and you'd have to bring this perfect animal, this spotless animal to the best of your ability or, or, or a pigeon or, or a turtle dove or whatever it was, whatever you could afford, you had to bring on behalf of your sin. And and the high priest would stand in the gap between the Lord God Almighty and the people and he would sacrifice that animal on their behalf. All throughout the Old Testament we see Mediators needed Uh, Just for a quick example You see Moses, Joshua, Isaiah These are just a few All the prophets, those were all mediators Jesus himself said in John chapter 16 Or 14, excuse me, verse 6 Jesus said to him I am the way, the truth, and the life No one No one Comes to the Father except through me So you see you can't have a personal, genuine, real, true, intimate relationship with the only true and living God without Jesus the Messiah. <laughs> you can't. But, but, but aren't you so grateful that he willingly chose to be your mediator and my mediator to Father God? First Timothy chapter 2 verses 5 through 6 tells us for there is. One God. How many? One God. (laughs) That's it. One God. And there is one mediator between God and men. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. He who has an ear, let him hear what the spirit has to say to the churches. All right. This morning, we are going to continue on in... The book of Ecclesiastes, we're in chapter 7. We'll be going through verses 19 down through 24. Uh, This is a five-part series. We are on part four. This message, again, is entitled, The Difference Between Wisdom and Folly. How much do we need to know the difference between wisdom and folly? We need it so badly. So once again, we're in Ecclesiastes chapter 7. When you get there, if you could please stand for the reading of God's word. Whether you got your old school paperback Bible, got it on your smartphone. If you do do not have either, uh, there are a couple Bibles back there, or the scripture will be on the screen behind me. Once again, Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verses nineteen down through twenty-four, and it go ahead and read. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. Surely there is. Not a righteous man on earth who does good and never sins. Do not take it to heart all the things that people say, lest you hear your servant cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been far off and deep, very deep. Who can find it? Let's go ahead and pray. Father, we need uh, your help. (laughs) We we, we, we lay ourselves upon your mercy seat asking for your hand in in all our circumstances. Lord, please give us wisdom. Lord, give us us a, a holy fear of you that we could move forward in wisdom, that we would make wise choices all the days of our lives, keep us from foolishness, As it's been said, save us from our own sinful nature, our own selves. We give Satan way too much credit. We we need to be right with you. If we are right with you, we know that perfect love casts out all fear and that uh, we don't have to come into agreement with the schemes of the enemy. So help us, Lord, to just recognize truth from error and give us the ability and your strength to apply your principles to our lives. Father, we thank you and we love you. Thank you for loving us. It's in Jesus Christ's name we pray. Amen. All right. So last week, we learned, uh, as a quick recap, to get us up to speed where we're at this morning, we learned that being wise, uh, to be wise, it, we need to consider the handiwork of God. Consider, right? To to, to ponder, to, to to think about it, to not just move irrationally, but to actually ponder what God has done. And, and when you look at, again, just the, the, the inner workings, uh, where was I? Uh, we took Kalos to uh the tech Museum on Tuesday Tirza went back to school that day and uh he's he's going back on Monday and uh, we had a couple days with him and so we took him to the tech museum they had they have a uh, they have that exhibit right now where you know people that wanted to donate their bodies to science or whatever so they got the, the the bodies that are kept intact and um you know they got them split open and they're doing all kind of different stuff it's crazy man. I mean, you see, they got a wall (laughs) framed and they got the intestines. I hope I'm not grossing anybody out here. (laughs) And it's like, I mean, the thing is like the frame is like that, like that. I mean, it's and it shows it shows from your tongue all the way to your colon. (laughs) And it's like, like I think I talked about this last week, you know, um, the, the Jewish people, they actually say a prayer before and after they go to the restroom. And it's just thanking the Lord that they're able to defecate do whatever they got to do because you know I me mean, for things that you eat to actually travel through all, all that you got going on up in here and it and then not c- catch a hitch that's a miracle it is it sounds corny but the next time you go to the bathroom you better praise god because what about the time what if it don't work what if something comes leaking i had a i had a homie back in the day he got shot up in oakland and he had to wear a bag You know, he had to wear a bag. You know, if you get shot and you got food all up in your stomach, you know, man, it's not going to go so well. My wife, before she gave birth to Tirza, it was a lot longer because she had a granola bar before she got induced. And because she ate that granola bar, like they had to wait like 12 hours. And she had to pass that. You can't give birth with stuff in your stomach. All that to say, think about the handiwork of God, (laughs) I mean, that's how you're fearfully and wonderfully created. I mean, if you like that stuff, people can nerd out on that. Just the way your brain works, the way the iris works and all this stuff. But we learned it's wise for you and I to consider the handiwork of God. And that no matter what, no one can make straight what the Lord has made crooked. Meaning simply no one can change trying to improve what God has determined will always be or what will be. We were also reminded that we should not try to be overly righteous, doing good just to be seen. You know, like the Pharisees back in the day, they would pray all super loud on a street corner. And that what did the Lord say? Jesus said, that's all the praise you're going to get is the adoration from men. You over here doing it to be seen. You know, it's just like when you fast, when you fast, he said, man, get up like you normally get up, get did up. You know what I mean? Put some oil on your face, put some cologne on, do what you do and get out the house. And you know what I'm saying? Not you don't you don't fast at all. I'm fasting. Uh, first of all, if, do not tell anybody if you're fasting. That's between you and the Lord. Then your father, he sees you what you're doing in secret. and He's going to reward you according to what you've done for the purposes of you to draw closer to him. But we're not to be overly righteous and we're not to live a lifestyle that is entrenched in wickedness. You know, uh, we we shouldn't be extremes. Rather, we should strive to live a life that is governed by a holy fear of God. That's what we should strive to, to do. Because when you have the fear of God in you, the fear of God is going to keep you from doing foolish stuff. The fear of God is going to keep you when when, when, a, when an unclean thought from the realm of darkness gets shot into your mind. The fear of God, you're going to say, Ah, I don't agree with that. I'm not coming into agreement with that thought. I don't want that thought in my mind and I rebuke it. And then you're going to be off and running. That's the fear of God. Without the fear of God, thoughts are going to come flooding through your mind and you're just going to be like, Okay. <laughs> and you just go. You just go. No no thought at all. No care at all. No concern at all for how the Lord feels about what you what you're allowing to pass through your mind. You see, we there's effort that has to be put into our walk with the Lord, church. There's just no way around it. He didn't create us to, to just be on autopilot. The free will is the free will to, to have the desire to want to serve Him, to want to use all the gifts and the talents and the strengths that He's given us to use it well for the glory of God. Amen? All right, we have several main points this morning, and the first one is this. True strength, true strength, godly strength is, is found in, in wisdom and not Brute strength. Verse 19 tells us, Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than ten rulers who are in a city. You see, godly wisdom is better than strength of the body or weapons of war. Godly wisdom guards a person and goes before him or her. I think we talked about this last week briefly, but you know, Intimidation is the weakest form of power there actually is. When, when you have to force someone to submit to you, I used a poor analogy last week. I won't use that same analogy. <laughs> Hopefully, I didn't offend anybody. But but you know, the whole bully thing. Ugh, do it. <laughs> You know, trying to, you know, all, every every Hollywood movie, you know, has some kind of, you know, storyline like that where there's a bully, where there's some, there, there's somebody and, and they're bullying this person. And then eventually this person gets an up, up and up courage and, you know, they, they stand up to the bully and, you know, whatever, yada, yada, right off in the sunset and everything's all good. But the whole premise of, of, of coming against somebody or, or causing someone fear to make them do something is the weakest form of power you could ever obtain. You see, look at Jesus. Meekness, power under control. Again, Father God created us with the free will. He, he doesn't force you and I to serve him. He's not a taskmaster standing up in heaven and waiting for us to slip up and saying, I can't wait to annihilate you. You see, you messed up and you're done. And now you're going to hell. No, the saddest thing that we have to realize in the Christian life is that unfortunately people will end up going to hell of their own volition. God is not sending anybody to hell. People go on their own volition. People go because they say no I, I refuse to serve you. I refuse to honor you. I refuse to believe what this book says. What the holy scriptures say. And they and their pride will drag them to hell. But God will not force anyone to go to hell. That's just the way it is. If you don't choose him that's what you choose. Again, the scripture said, we just read a scripture that said there's one true God and one mediator. There's no other way. It's either this or that. It is black and white. I know there's gray areas in some things. With this, it's not. But this verse in 19, again, it tells us that wisdom gives strength to the wise man. You see, Jesus, who is the wisdom of God is like a strong tower and a mighty fortress for the believer. You can run to him for safety. You can, you can hide underneath his wings and he will shelter you. He will cover you and he will make you well. Isaiah chapter 12 verse 2 tells us, Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust And I will not be afraid, for the Lord God is my strength and my song, and he has become my salvation. You see, many times we we, we hear that and and, and we tend to think, okay, Lord, I'm going to run to you and you're going to make all my problems disappear. Unfortunately, that's not the way it works. I wish it did. And in his sovereignty, he could make all your problems go away if he deemed it so, but many times it's not necessarily that. He's trying to give us a deeper inner peace, not a peace that's based on circumstances. He wants to give us a peace that's not going to move just because our circumstances remain bad or maybe get worse. He wants us to be able to walk through each and every circumstance knowing that we should fear him again. Fear the Lord that can not only give you life, but send the soul to hell, right? Why fear men? Fear someone with an M16. I mean, I don't want to get shot. No one wants to get shot. No one wants to go down like that and die. But the reality is the Bible, and I'm paraphrasing obviously, but the Bible says don't fear man who can only kill the body. Fear the Lord Almighty. He's the one who holds all things in his hands. He's He's the potter we're the clay, he's the one that set this whole thing up. And he's going to wind it up one day and roll up the scrolls. He's the one that we should be caring about. And when we have a healthy fear of God, once again, everything will work out in the sense that we will have the inner peace we need to walk through every circumstance we're ever going to face in life with confidence, knowing that he goes before us. He's the author and finisher of our faith. That is what we should be after, church. And it comes from having a tight-knit, close relationship with the Lord the way He intended us to have it because He created us in His own image. That's what it's about. You see, all the other stuff, thats it's, it's not about it. That's not what it's about. It's not about the fluff. It's not about the stuff. He could care less about that. He cares about our hearts. We should care about our hearts. We should care about what's going on in our innermost being. How am I thinking? How am I... Reacting, how am I acting? How am I treating people? Is my life measuring up to, to what, what the Lord says I should be doing at this point in time? And that's what we need to go off of church. The wisdom of God is far stronger than the strength of men. You know, you see big biceps and people are like, I mean, bro, you got eight pack abs? I don't even know how that's possible. <laughs> But 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 God, the the wisdom of God is far stronger than the strength of men. You see, humanity, we tend to pride ourselves on what we've achieved. Oh, we've made it to the moon. Oh, we've sent some things to Mars. Oh, we've done this and that. And, and I'm all about, uh, I'm grateful for the technology. I'm grateful for uh, the advances in medicine. Those are very important things. And we've been blessed to be able to have people that have the intellect to understand and, 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 and forge, you know, uh, roads in, in those areas of expertise. But even the most brilliant minds Pale in comparison to the infinite wisdom of God. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 tell us, Let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For the wisdom of this world is folly with God. For it is written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. You see, again, true wisdom is fear of the Lord. <laughs> you, just, you cannot get around that principle. There, there's a humility when you have a holy fear of God. And it's not a fear of, oh, don't, you know, it, it, it's, it's you recognize who he is and who you are. <laughs> I say it all the time. You look at the Old Testament prophets. Whenever they came in contact with the angel of the Lord, the first thing they did was they fell flat on their face. I don't know because I haven't been to heaven, but I would think that when I get there, I'm probably going to fall on my face before the Lord in praise and adoration for Him in in honor of Him. I'm not going to be standing Trying to be, you know, and now if he now if he says keeping stand up, I'ma stand up. At least that's what I want. I'm I'm just thinking in my mind, and I'm like, if all of these Old Testament prophets, when they came in the presence of the Lord, they fell on their face, and if all these angels singing holy, holy, holy in adoration around the throne of God forever and ever, that's what they're doing. What do you think we're going to be doing? You think we're going to be chumming it up, saying, oh, you know, Lord, I don't know why this happened and this and that, you know, and I don't know maybe down the line, but come on now. There's a reverence. I mean, my wife was telling my son this morning. She was trying trying to get the coffee and all this stuff. And, you know, he's running. And she told her, she says, this is the Lord's house. Stop running in this room. You got no business running in here. Now, I know this is just a building. It's just an office building. But there's got to be some kind of sacred understanding of what we're doing. Do you just come flippantly before God in your prayers? Like... You're just talking to Joe Schmoe? No! You humble yourself for the fact that you're coming before the true and living God, the risen King, the one who is the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, who has no Maker, no Creator. He is the Creator. There should be a holy reverence for who He is. The fear of God. It is such a beautiful, important thing. When we understand that, I mean, it just sets the trajectory for the rest of our lives to just be in a good place, in a good vantage point, in a good position. It's very interesting. This is a side note. But, you know, I was reading this week and, and, and you know, people think, oh, you know, the blessings that my parents are going to leave. You know, Jacob had a lot of sons. <laughs> Jacob didn't bless all of his sons before he died like everyone thought they were going to be blessed. I think it was Simeon. He rebuked him. He rebuked him. But that was a blessing. That was a blessing if Simeon was going to listen and adhere to the rebuke. You understand, church, even conviction. Conviction is such a blessing. If you sense conviction in your heart today, in your life, in your walk with the Lord, you are blessed. If you sense no conviction, you better fall on your face and get right. You better ask him to not sear your conscience to where you don't even feel nothing no more. The closer, the more you walk with the Lord, the more sensitive you're going to be to every spiritual thing that you're ever coming in contact with. You're going to be like, that's crazy. I'm staying away from that. That's good. I'm going to roll with that. You're going to be able to sense the Lord when He places things upon your heart and He speaks to you. Maybe not in an audible voice, but he, he imparts wisdom to you. That is revelation. You can't drum this up. You have to. It has to be given to you. It has to be given to me. This is why I get fired up when I preach because I see it every day in my life and I know that it's real. It's the only thing that sustains and supports my living. He is my life. He needs to be our life. He needs to be our portion. He is the vine. He says, I'm the vine. You are the branches. If you're not a part of me, you can't do nothing good. We all want to do good. So we need to press in. We need to lock in. You lock into the word of God because it's the word of God that's going to give you everything you need. This is the most important book that you're ever going to pick up. Not Reader's Digest, not Oprah, not Vanity Fair, not Sports Illustrated, not the NASDAQ. I mean, all those things, I guess, are are whatever, in and of themselves, I mean, whatever. But but, but it's the Word of God. It's so important. We We need to fall in love with the Word. We need to fall in love with spending time intimately with the Lord when we read Or have the the Bible read to us or hear the scripture. It's just so important. It's it's such a sacred thing, church. Our second main point is this. No one is perfect and never sins but Jesus Christ. (laughs) This may seem like a (laughs) no-brainer. Like, of course. (laughs) I know I'm not perfect. Tell me something I don't know, pastor. (laughs) But it was brought to my attention this week how important this reality is because we can all easily justify and point out the sins of other people (laughs) while overlooking the sins in our own hearts. That's just the reality. We're all guilty of it. Matthew chapter 7, verses 1 through 5 tells us Judge not that you may not be judged, for with the judgment you pronounce, You will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured against you. Why do you see the speck in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me take that speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye. You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye. Then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. And, and, and it will also be done in love. <laughs> you, you, you're not going to be coming all harsh, smashing on people. Because they're wrong. We were just talking about it a second ago. There is no pride in the Christian life. There's no room for pride. How dare I say can you believe that person? Can you believe that? What? How dare you? How dare me? Do you know the propensity for you and I to commit the most heinous sin is within our own hearts right this very instant? There's no difference between, uh, when we see how horrible people are and the things that they do, that's showing you that's life without Christ. And you and I can just walk on that, we can walk that over that line very quickly. Very quickly. Whenever whenever we see something horrible it sh- it should it should check us. It should make us say, Lord, what's, what what's in me? <laughs> Help me to be right with you, Lord. Not not point out the sins in other people, because that's not our job. That's not our responsibility. The Lord will deal with every individual as he sees fit. You and I are to live in a way that we live above reproach. And that's a way to live above reproach is to not be prideful. If anything, we we should have empathy we should empathize with the person that's so broken that they're so caught in bondage to their sin that they can't get out it's like trying to fight themselves out of a wet paper bag they just can't do it i don't know why because they're bound we our hearts should break for those who are lost in that way not judge them you see the fact that we are without sin should ultimately lead us back to jesus christ To trust in Him alone to be our strong tower, to be our mighty fortress, to be our portion all the days of our lives. To bring us to a a, a place of, of growing in healthy joy, in a healthy fear of Yahweh so that we could thrive in wisdom. That's the whole point of that, to lead us back to Christ. The third main point is this, all true wisdom and understanding ultimately point us back to Father God. We just spoke of how recognizing our propensity to sin, if we humble ourselves before God, will lead us back to him. Well, this final point is a deeper dive into that same reality. Solomon stated in verse 23, he tested everything by wisdom, but it was far from him. He had known, he had no way of knowing how he could truly understand these deeper meanings of things. It just seems so far off to him. So we learn correction, just like Solomon. By learning through our mistakes, we talked about this a several weeks back, we learn from mistakes. By learning from them, being corrected by the Holy Spirit, we are given insight into the best way we are to live. This is basically what we see at the heart of the Christian's life experience, right? Because this is the reality. Again, those memorial stones. We all used to live one way. And then we were delivered from living that certain way. We all used to be in opposition to God because of our sinful nature. Then we became convicted of our sin. God was gracious to us. He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, and He redeemed us. Then the Holy Spirit came to take up residence to live inside of us supernaturally and help us to live according to the Father's purpose for our lives. This is all done in the believer, and it's done to reconcile him or her back to God. This is what Solomon learned in regards to wisdom. He had to ultimately find his answers in God alone because the wisdom God has is too great to be limited to just our life experiences. The wisdom of God is truly eternal and will only be fully understood in light of eternity with him. This is what Solomon basically was, was, was getting at, is that ultimately it's an eternal thing. To be fully understanding the fullness of God's wisdom. James chapter 3 verse 17 tells us, But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. I want to focus on that first part of that verse. He says, But the wisdom from above. Again, see, so we find that wisdom has its place in in eternity in heaven with the Lord. And so for us to fully grasp this, once again, this is what Solomon was getting at. It was far from him because here on earth he could only understand godly wisdom To a certain extent, but once we are to be with the Lord forever and ever, then we'll have a fuller understanding of what this wisdom is. And once again, it starts with a holy fear of God. All right, let's go ahead and look at these verses. We'll break them down section by section. Once again, we're starting in verse 19. We'll go down to 22. I'll read it again for the sake of context. Wisdom gives strength to the wise man more than 10 rulers who are in a city. Surely there is not a righteous man on earth who does good. And never sins. Do not take to heart all the things that people say, lest your heart, lest you hear your servant, excuse me, uh, cursing you. Your heart knows that many times you yourself have cursed others. Okay, let's look at this first statement. It says, wisdom gives strength to the wise. Again, there is strength and power in wisdom. Contrary to what the world says, Scripture tells us a wise person is actually stronger than ten rulers of a city. Now this is not to be confused with there is wisdom in the multitude of counselors when uh, you know when, when when the writer was speaking of that obviously they're speaking of you know counselors that are go- going to be godly and they're going to give you the right way they're going to point you in the right direction that that's not what this is talking about. But what does this actually mean? Solomon is teaching us that wisdom is where true strength and power lie. You see True wisdom and true strength. It's not found in large numbers. It's not found in big muscles or big brains or physical strength. The source of true strength and power lies in wisdom and that wisdom comes from God alone. This is a quote from Charles Spurgeon. I love this. It says, wisdom is the right use of knowledge. To know is not to be wise. Many men know a great deal and are all the greater fools for it. (laughs) There is no fool so great a fool as a knowing fool, a fool with a big old head. (laughs) But to know how to use knowledge is to have wisdom. I love that. It's application. It's applying what you know. Apply it. Live it out. Wisdom, the knowledge of what is right. Discernment, insight, and the understanding of when to use that knowledge. James spoke of this very thing. You see, all of our biblical knowledge is meaningless and worthless Unless we actually apply to our lives what we know to be true. James chapter 1 verses 23 and 24 tell us, For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. We need to be those, church, that apply. Application is vital. The book is just a book. Unless you apply the principles of the book. It's the application of the principles of the Bible that will give life. I don't want to say the word of God is incomplete because it's not incomplete. I'm talking about in the believer's life. You will not see the fruit of of what it's supposed to be, unless you apply the word to your life. You got to live it out. That that's where, like Jane Vernon McGee would always say, that's where the rubber meets the road. And that I think that is the most challenging thing for the believer. First, it's just getting in the word. Because sometimes we're so spiritually lazy, we just don't want to. We're like, man, I'm so busy. I mean, does the Lord not provide for you 24 hours in a day? I mean, you really can't say, you know, it's, it's that it, we make time for what's important. Again, it's the irrefutable law of first fruits. Give God the first of your time, and I guarantee you'll be blessed. But we just say, oh, "I gotta get out the house." Okay, how's that going for you? Just <laughs> getting out the house. You didn't get on your knees before you got out of bed. How's that going for you? I guarantee you. I guarantee you. You give ten minutes. Of your morning to God. You're going to see things change. Because you're setting the trajectory for your life to go in the right order. We serve a God of order. He's not out of order. He's not looking for your leftovers. You want to know why cats... And we don't ever talk about this, but I'll talk about it now. Not that y'all have to know anything about it. Because you guys already know. But you know why a lot of believers don't tithe or give an offering? Because they don't believe that God's gonna provide they say I, I got a hold there what, what if my business doesn't succeed <laughs> give him the first fruits he gave you the job you what, what what's a couple hundred dollars whatever I mean you, you you decide within your heart what you give that's between you and the Lord but what, what, what what's that to the God who owns everything you think he won't open the floodgates and give you everything you need. <laughs> But you see, when you trust and put Him first, and it's not about money, it's about your talent, your time, your energy, your effort. You give Him the first and the best of everything you are, you don't give Him the leftovers. What if He gave you the leftovers with how you were created? Oh, I'm just going to give you the leftovers. No, nah, man, he says you're fearfully and wonderfully created. He took time and make sure you were woven specifically, needing exactly what you needed so that you could function correctly. He didn't do a cheap job on you. Someone needs to hear that today. Because many times we look outside all these external sources for love. Know that he loves you. He loves you in such a way that he made you unique, a unique creation for his honor, for his glory, so that you can know what true love is. It's not based on what some other person tells you. (laughs) And by the way, love is a decision. Love is a choice. For any of y'all young people, I know we don't got a lot of young people in here, but love is a choice, man. When two people get married, man, two imperfect sinners, man, y'all got to choose to love one another. (laughs) It's a choice. That's real love. Solomon taught us that wisdom comes from God. And James taught us, That if we are in need of it, then all we have to do is ask. James chapter 1 verse 5 says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. So if you need wisdom, just ask Father, God, I need wisdom. I, need, I don't even know what to do in this circumstance. I'm like, I feel like I'm being pulled this way. I don't know if I should go that way. I need wisdom. Give me discernment. Help me to know. He'll give it to you. He's not going to say, Pff. You keep asking. You know the whole thing with the fleece. <laughs> How many times? It doesn't matter. It's okay. He's not going to be mad at you. Again, our text is telling us that wisdom brings strength and power with it. The application is simply this, church. Wisdom helps us understand the when, the why, and the how to handle any situation. It helps us to grasp know-how and to be able to put it into motion. Wisdom reminds us that character does matter. Integrity does matter. Wisdom is often more beneficial and effective than brute force. Wisdom from God can give better counsel than ten kings. You, so, you see, who do you go to first when you have a situation or a circumstance going on? Do you just hit up all your homies? Or do you go to the Lord? <laughs> you, especially if your friends ain't saved, don't go to them first. You know? Don't go to the professor at school. <laughs> go to the Lord. You know, you're dealing with a medical situation. yes. Thank God, praise God for for people in the medical profession and all the advancements. But we're going to pray about this thing as well. We're not just relying on this doctor. We're praying that the doctor's hands would be blessed by the Lord. That the Lord would give intellect and insight and wisdom to these doctors to know what to do, when to do it, how to do it. Give us the right stuff so that we can get better. But we're not relying on just what Stanford Med got to say about the situation. We're not just relying on what Kaiser got to say. Who is my great physician? It's the Lord. It's Yahweh. He's the one. He's the one who holds my blessings in his hands. And I will trust in him all the days of my life. All the combined strength of human wisdom cannot equal the wisdom found in the fear of the Lord. (laughs) That's why the fear of the Lord is such an important thing. It it unlocks the door for wisdom. Because when we when we posture our lives in a humble place below the Lord, he takes delight in that. Because he's like, You're understanding that I'm your source. (laughs) And when we understand that he's our source, he's like, Man, I'm not going to withhold any good thing from you. You evil men that know how to give good gifts to your children. How much more does your father in heaven know how to give good gifts to those who ask? He's going to bless. He's going to bless. Many times we're just not aware of how the blessing comes. We think that a blessing is going to come wrapped in a bow and a package and this and that and a nice Ferrari. And <laughs> That's not necessarily a blessing. Nothing wrong with material things. Remember, Abram was rich. Job was rich. I, I talk about this all the time. But just because someone, someone's financially well off does not mean they're blessed. We need to stop thinking the blessing always comes in some kind of material form. Remember. Simeon was rebuked, <laughs> and that was a blessing to Simeon. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes we get rebuked, and that's a blessing if we're willing to be corrected. Amen? Oftentimes we get things out of order. We wish to be strong or stronger when in actuality we should desire to, to, to have more godly wisdom. Remember, the Apostle Paul was challenged with this, but praise God, the wisdom of God overcame the weaknesses of Paul's flesh. Second Corinthians chapter 12, verses 7 through 10 tell us. He spoke about this, Paul did. He said, so to keep me from becoming conceited because of the surpassing greatness of the revelations, a thorn was given to me in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to harass me to keep me from being conceited. Three times I pleaded with the Lord to ask that it should leave me. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in what? Weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly for my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions and calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong, man. Paul got it right. <laughs> he, he said, I'm going to just humble myself and I'm going to recognize that my strength comes from him. I don't want to boast. I don't have to I have nothing to boast about, but I will trust in him and he will make me strong in my weakness. If we want to grow in effective wisdom from Yahweh, we must be willing to humble ourselves and admit to him our weaknesses. You've got to let pride go. Maybe you don't got to tell every Tom, Dick, and Harry about it, but you need to get before the Lord and be real with them and say, man, Lord, I'm struggling in this area. Help me, keep me, sustain me. Do you know how many times I got to say, Lord, help me to love my wife like Christ loves the church. Help me to keep my eyes in my own skull. That's a wise man. Keep your eyes in your own skull, man. Stay in your own lane. I don't, I don't, want, to be, I don't want to be taken away by you know, eye candy and all that kind of stuff. That's real. I'll keep it real up here, man. I ain't fake. I ain't no fake Christian. Forget being a pastor. I'm not a fake Christian. These are the real things that we deal with. Those unclean thoughts, those thoughts that keep on berating you, tell the Lord, I need help. <laughs> I need help. But this is the other thing. We got to apply. You can't be talking about, I got all these unclean thoughts floating through my mind, but yet, what are you watching, man? You're not substituting that stuff with the word and you wonder why your mind's going all kind of bonkers. It's real. This is how it really is when you're walking close with the Lord. It's not our weakness that gets in the way of God doing a great work in and through our lives, but it's our delusion of strength. I love this quote from D.L. Moody. He says, when a man has no strength, if he leans on God, he becomes powerful. They <laughs> gotta lean in. <laughs> gotta know who to lean on in into. <laughs> that whole independent thing is a joke because we're all dependable. We're all dependent upon someone. It's who are you dependent upon? You know? Are you dependent upon Christ? Or are you dependent upon your own will? Oh, I'm gonna pull myself up by my own bootstraps. I was at uh, I was at Blackbird Diner, and, and I had a meeting with the, with a the, uh, pastor friend, and and I, I couldn't help but overhear the conversation behind me. I just I wasn't ear hustling. I just heard, <laughs> and they're talking and talking, and you know, it's like you know they're having their conversation. I heard the guy say, "Yeah, I had to pull myself up by my bootstraps," and it just made me think, man, it's just crazy. There's so many people that live like that. They think they got to do it all on their own. But we really need to tap into the power that's there for us provided through God Almighty. And not do it on your own. It's so hard when you do it on your own. You feel isolated. It's easy to get bitter when you live a life of doing it all on your own. You feel like, man, I, I've been dealt a dirty hand. I've been dealt a bad hand. This is not, it's not cool. Then you start. you start looking at other people who got it better than you and you're not content. You be content. With little or much. Paul learned it. I'm learning it. It's cool to be learning it. I will never say I've learned it because sometimes I take two steps forward and three steps back. But either way, it's a whole other can of worms. <laughs> you see, a wise man understands the sinfulness of humanity in his own sinfulness. He or she has great discernment when it comes to seeing the truth. They are not easily deceived by smooth talk and fancy words. They are not impressed with the flash and sophistication of humanity. They have learned in God's grace to not take themselves too seriously because they recognize that only God is truly righteous. Romans chapter 3 verses 10 through 12 tell us, As it is written, no one is righteous, no not one. No one understands, no one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. They have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. That's harsh. But the reality is if you if you're in this room today and you have a personal relationship with with God and you're a child of God, man, that's a miracle. Because up against that verse, you're actually seeking. (laughs) And now you've had the imputed righteousness of God to your life. So you don't fall under condemnation. You don't fall under shame no more. You don't fall under guilt. You're free. You're liberated. You're right. You're in your right mind. You have peace. You have love. You have joy. You have all the things that will make you complete and whole. And you're not even in heaven yet. (laughs) You see, it's a matter of perspective, church. It really is. It's a matter of perspective. Recognize your blessings and count your blessings. The most important blessing is that you're saved and you're going to heaven. You're saved. There's a world that is dead, walking dead men and women all throughout this world on every corner of the earth right now. They are walking dead people. And they are in desperate need of the only true and living Savior, the only true and living God that can ever give life to their mortal bodies. And you have that truth locked in inside you. Let your light shine. Right? I'm not going to sing it. This little light of mine. (laughs) Because this of this understanding and revelation, the wise person is not quick to judge others. They are quick to listen and slow to speak. So praise God that we believers have received the righteousness of Jesus Christ in exchange for our filthy garments of sin. Isn't that, that, that that'll bring you to tears? Recognizing that I, I don't I don't I don't have that shame anymore. He took it upon himself, he took it from me. I don't I don't have that filth anymore. Second Corinthians chapter five, verse twenty one tells us for our sake. He made himself sin to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Man, that's a You got to go back to that. You got to go back to that. Look at that. He, he, I mean, it, 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 it's right there. It's irrevocable. That's not going to change. He, for our sake, became sin. He didn't know any sin, but he became it. He took it upon himself. So that we would become the righteousness of God. We would inherit that righteousness. That goodness of Him would come to us. And all we have to do is say, yes, please come in. Please be my Savior. Please be my Lord. Please take my life and be whatever it will be in, in your will, in your timing. And then it, and then everything changes. That's the most important decision anybody will make. And it's the most difficult. It's crazy. Because some people, because, you know, the veil... Their heart, the eyes of their hearts are still blinded. The veil has not been torn in their hearts and they they can't see. They can't see the truth. They question it. They try to break it down. They try to find loopholes in it. But they just can't simply receive with a childlike faith. If you have a childlike faith this morning, you're blessed beyond what you even understand. You don't even understand how blessed you are. I don't even understand how blessed I am (laughs) <laughs> to be living for the Lord. It's just a merit, It's a miracle. It really is a miracle. Mm-hmm. This next this next statement do not take to, to heart everything people say. And it goes on to say, even we have cursed other people in, in, our own, in our own selves. Wisely the preacher knew that we tend to take words of others way too serious. This happens a lot in marriage. <laughs> <laughs> happens a lot in marriage. <laughs> Somebody says something, and uh, uh, what? <laughs> and then all kind of stuff just erupts. We we can't be taking ourselves too serious. People often say unguarded things that are not to be taken seriously. You now, sometimes someone will say, "Well, man, you know this person said this and that about me," and uh, you know I'm heated. It's like. Who's this person? I mean, if, if I mean, if they're not even walking with the Lord, what are you getting all bent out of shape over? What this clown, excuse me, got to say about what's going on with you? It's like you shouldn't even be tripping off them. Again, it's perspective. What would you know? What I mean, again, I audience of one. Like I care about what my father thinks. Everybody else is like it shouldn't be a big deal. You got to be comfortable in your own skin enough to be be like. It don't really matter. I'm going to let it roll off my back like, you know, water off a duck's back. It ain't that deep. Sometimes we, too, say things about others, and I bet we would not want them to take to heart what we said. In his book, Lectures to My Students, Charles Spurgeon wrote a chapter to this verse, which he titled The Blind Eye and the Deaf Ear. In that chapter, he gave wise advice to pastors and Christian workers that they should sometimes, if not often, simply overlook unkind and thoughtless things others say and do to overlook an offense is a big deal Uh, 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 a soft answer turns away wrath (laughs) i've seen that many a times in my own life it's like when you when you when you lash out You know, that's why, you know, like when, when murder happens, I mean, unless it's premeditated, but when, you know, the, the act of, the act of violence is because somebody in the moment, they're so angry and they just act. You have to quell that anger. (laughs) Obviously, it's through the power of the Holy Spirit, right? But, but, but you have to just govern yourself in such a way where it's like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to give a gentle, (laughs) give a gentle answer. There's a time for everything. I mean, because Jesus went up in the temple and he wasn't happy about you know making his, his father's house you know what I mean selling stuff and he didn't overturn you know tables and all that. But you know you got to be led by the Holy Spirit in how you deal with things. But again, like Peter, when he when he chopped off that that that, 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 that soldier's ear, that, I mean that wasn't the way. Jesus said that's not the way. It's not how it's going down, Peter. So we need to be led. Soft answer turns away wrath. If we don't want to be judged by our worst moments, we should not judge others by their worst moments. Matthew chapter 7 verse 2 tells us, For with the judgment you pronounce, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. All right, last two verses, 23 and 24. And it says, All this I have tested by wisdom. I said, I will be wise, but it was far from me. That which has been as far off and deep, very deep, who can find it? Okay, so he says that he had proved this by wisdom, and he said that, I'm going to be wise. He, he had desired, Solomon had desired in his heart to be wise. We know that he was the wisest man that ever lived. We know that when the Lord asked him, what do you want, Solomon? He said, I, I, I want wisdom. So he basically was saying, I want the fear of the Lord. And because he answered correctly, he answered for he asked for the right thing, what did the Lord do? He blessed him with wisdom, but not only that, he knew because he was going to be wise, he could give him a multitude of material things. He was very wealthy, the wealthiest man as well, and, and, and he wasn't going to abuse it, he wasn't going to misuse it. But as Solomon does give wise advice for living, he understood that his desire to be wise was not always fulfilled with true wisdom. Meaning, He stressed the fact that he spent his life chasing after wisdom and in the end, realizing that he actually knew nothing. Dun, dun, dun. (laughs) Because that's what it is, though. If we keep it real, that's what it is. He wanted to know the meaning of life, but struggled with finding the answer. The application is this, church. The honest admission of failure to find wisdom is actually, again, truly the beginning of wisdom. (laughs) How, someone might ask, is this actually true? I thought the Bible says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Sure it does. In fact, it does say that. But when we look at what a holy fear of God actually is, it lines up perfectly with the idea that we fail to obtain at all wisdom. The reality is this. When we truly fear God, what are we doing? We're throwing ourselves down in front of his mercy seat and humbly asking him to be merciful and gracious to us. We're basically saying, "I don't know. I need you. Without you, I got nothing. I can't compete. I can't I can't I can't conceive what I'm supposed to do." That's the fear of the Lord. Is is being dependable upon him, to being dependent, excuse me, upon him. Not, not, that, that, that That is the, the exact opposite of pride. When pride says, I can do it. I can figure it out. Just give me the resources. I'll do it. I'll, I'll fix it all together. I'll make it work. Where the person who has a holy fear of God says, I don't know. Help me. Help me. <laughs> if you're real, if you're there, help me. <laughs> I don't know why people always look up too. We, 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 we got to realize that. If you're saved, the Holy Spirit's here already. You you don't need to pray to some out in the space. (laughs) He's here. He's here. He's closer to you than your very next breath. He's closer to you than your heartbeat. Let that be a revelation for you today. Let that be a revelation for me today to really truly know that the Holy Spirit lives inside of me. That's why you can't go run off doing quacky stuff and feel good about it. Because you're dragging the Holy Spirit along the places that He don't want to go and He don't want to be, and you're like, ugh, why do I feel grimy? Because He ain't comfortable, man. But when you're thriving and feeling great, He's like, dude, I'm all about it. <laughs> you're in the right group of people. You're doing the right thing. You're not in the muck. You're not in the mire. He's like, I delivered you from that. Why would you go back? Don't take me there. You're gonna mar. You're gonna mar your testimony now. <laughs> don't go thinking you can go witness. At the strip club, it don't go down like that. You better steer clear of all that nonsense, and you know, I mean, just let your spirit of influence kind of come to you. Because people say, "Well, Jesus hung with you know prostitutes and you ain't Christ, man." (laughs) Don't go into the tavern thinking you're gonna go witness to somebody. I'm just, I just, me personally, I wouldn't go there. But you know, hey, if that's your ministry, you do what you do. But I don't know. (laughs) <laughs> we go to God in a manner that expresses total surrender and dependence upon him. This admission of failure we find, in this failure of admission uh, to failure, we find wisdom is the fear of God. It's interesting that the more closely you walk with Jesus Christ, the more you, you actually realize how much you don't know. You know, you, you look at the old timers. They're full of wisdom. You look at the old timers that, that, that are full of grace and mercy and they have a lifetime of experience. They're not proud, man. They're not boastful. They're not, look at all these accolades. Look at all these things that I've achieved. They're, they're just humble cats. And they'll be real with you. They'll be like, nah, man, I have a childlike faith. I have a simple regiment. I trust in God. <laughs> I have a simple regiment. I fear God. I have a simple regiment. I put God first. I have a simple regiment. He's my life. The simple regimen, I keep it simple. That's what it's about. It's not about... Ah, 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 because we all know zeal and emotion run out. What are you going to do when you ain't got that rah, rah, rah in you? If he ain't in you, it ain't you ain't about it. But if if he's in you, you don't need somebody to give you an boy. You don't need somebody to pat your back. You don't need someone to get you pumped up. Now, I know iron sharpens iron and all that. I'm not going to say we don't need people... But what I'm saying is, what gets you up in the morning? What gets you fired up to get in the word every day? What gets you on your knees? What gets you talking to the Lord throughout the day? It's got to be in you to want to do it. Because you know where your strength comes from. You know where your help comes from. Solomon tells us that in all his research for the meaning of life, he realized how unwise and how short-sighted and ignorant That he actually, truly was. That takes humility. (laughs) To say, I do not have it all figured out, folks. (laughs) He set out on his quest for meaning, thinking he was wise, but quickly realized that he was completely lacking in wisdom. For the wisdom he perceived that he had was just worldly knowledge. He searched and searched for true wisdom, but it seemed... To be continually beyond his grasp. And it's very interesting when you look kind of later on in Solomon's life, he kind of got caught up in some stuff. Right? It was like, man, what happened to you, bruh? Like, why would you want to be with that many women? It, 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 beyond my understanding. It, it, it's crazy. But he he had got caught up. He had got caught up. He searched and searched for true wisdom, but it seemed to be continually beyond his grasp. Job, who lived much earlier than Solomon, expressed thoughts similar to the the teacher or or, or the pastor here, in which he felt wisdom was inaccessible. Job said in Job chapter 28, verses 12 through 19, But where shall wisdom be found? And where is the place of understanding? Man does not know its worth, and it is not found in the land of the living. Eternal. Eternal. The deep says it is not in me, and the sea says it is not with me. It cannot be bought for gold, and silver cannot be weighed as its price. It cannot be valued in the gold or the orif or in precious onyx or sapphire. Gold and glass cannot equal it, nor can it be exchanged for jewels or fine gold. No mention shall be made of coral or of Of crystal, the price of wisdom is above pearls. The topaz of Ethiopia cannot equal it, nor can it be valued in pure gold. I mean, he says it right there. Crazy. (laughs) Remember, the Apostle Paul warned the Corinthian church to be careful that they did not fall into the sin of pride, thinking that they were, what, wise, when in reality they were not. Doing so would be extremely foolish First Corinthians chapter 3 verses 18 through 20 tell us let no one deceive himself if anyone among you think that he is wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise for the wisdom of this world is folly with God for it is written he catches the wise in their craftiness and again the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile I'll end with this um with this uh, statement is uh, Michelle and Isaiah can come up when they're ready. James tells us what truly godly wisdom looks like. Don't miss this church. James chapter three, verses 13 through 18, who is wise and understanding among you by his good conduct. Let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy, Open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And a harvest of righteousness is sown in peace by those who make peace. May we be those who walk blameless in the meekness of godly wisdom. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your truth. We thank you for you being merciful and gentle towards us. We thank you for your kindness and your compassion. Father, may it be said of us that we are those that seek after you, that our desire is to hunger and thirst after your righteousness, that you would give to us the wisdom that we need, that you would give us a holy fear, that we would live a life that is above reproach and that we would be constant. Help us to to continue on in this way. And May it not not be just a a one-day thing, but it be moment to moment, every day that we live, we want to be more and more like you, being conformed into your image. You are the potter and we are the clay. Help us to submit to your authority, rule and reign in our lives. Father, I thank you so much for all that you've done and and we are excited for what you're gonna continue to do. We praise you. It's in the mighty matchless name of Jesus Christ that we pray, amen.